0: For some people, it's hard to turn away from a mystery. At least, I know I have a hard time doing so. And I'm not talking about the mysteries you would watch in a movie theater or during most TV shows. Most of those can't happen to everyday people. I'm talking about the mysteries that live around us. There's just something magnetic about unknowns combined with reality that draws people in. Reality is filled with tangibility. The people in these stories, the situations they're in, they're easily relatable. In these stories, the main character could be someone you know, or could very well be you, or me. These types of mysteries is what pulled me into the world of independent investigations. And it's what compelled me to respond to an email from a Miss Wispin, looking into the disappearance of her friend, Robert. My name is Edgar Vale, and you are participating in CHOICES. It's about 11.30pm on a Wednesday when I finally see the missed call and voicemail that starts this whole
1: investigation. Hi, my name is Loyola Wisden. This is Edgar Vale, right? I was given your number by a friend of mine, and we were wondering if you could look into a, well, a situation for us. I'm sorry, for me. I also sent you an email about this, but I figured I'd call, too. Please, if you can, read it and get back to me.
0: Huh. Okay. So, email. There. Hello, Mr. Vale. My name is Orla Wispin, and I received your contact information from a friend of mine. I understand that you're practiced in investigative journalism. I have a situation that I need help with. I have a friend, his name is Robert, and he has gone missing. I've tried contacting the police where we live, but I'm worried that they won't be able to do it all on their own. My friend told me you helped out a few people she knew, and I want to know if you can do the same for me. Please get back to me if you can. My number is and she lists her number and some other contact information. To be completely honest, I was a bit surprised that she reached out to me. I couldn't think of how she heard about me or what friend she has that knew me. While she's right about what I do, I'm relatively unknown, but by choice. I don't give out my number often, so if someone I don't know reaches it, part of me is inclined to believe that someone I trust had a good reason to pass it along. So, yeah, I'm fairly skeptical, but I reach out to Orla. It's late, so I email instead of call, trying to set up a time and date to meet. Five minutes later, I receive an email with a single sentence. Can I call you now? She must be worried, or she wouldn't have responded this quickly. I send her an okay, and in a few minutes, we're on the phone. Hello? Hi, Orla. This is Edgar. How are you?
1: I'm, well, I'm tired. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have asked you to call so late. I just really wanted someone to start looking into this.
0: You mean, Robert. You you mentioned him in your email that he disappeared?
1: Yes, Robert. He's been missing for a while now, and this has happened before, but this time it feels different.
0: Wait, before? Have you contacted the police?
1: Actually, I haven't. I just don't trust the police
0: to be able to handle a situation like this. That definitely set off an alarm in my head. She mentioned in her email that she did contact the police, but now her story's changed. Why would she contact me and not the police? And where did she get my contact information from? Who is Robert and how pressing is this that she would contact me this late? Did you want to meet? This sounds like something we should discuss in person.
1: Yes, yes, that
0: would be wonderful. We arrange a 7 a.m. meet three days from now at Slim Tim's, a 24-hour diner in town. 7 a.m. was early enough for the diner to be mostly empty, meaning that there wouldn't be many people listening in to our conversation. We sat down in a booth far from the entrance, and after a quick order of toast and tea, she puts her long mostly gray hair in a ponytail and begins to tell me about Robert.
1: Actually, Robert comes here a lot. I never really started coming until I became friends with Robert.
0: How long have you known Robert?
1: Probably a few years now. We become pretty good friends. We usually see each other every few days. He has his own thing, I do my own thing, cakes and all that.
0: Cakes? Cake, what do you do?
1: Oh, I own a few bakeries, but the big thing we do is the cake decorating, the large cakes that people have at special events.
0: Oh, wow, that's great. I mean, those type of cakes, they're they are always so impressive. You know. I, I have to say, you do seem a bit more at ease compared to when we spoke last evening, last night.
1: Yes, I'm sorry. I had some time to think after we spoke. Robert's such a calm person, and while I'm still worried, I know everything is going to end up okay.
0: Can you tell me a bit about Robert? Orla gets a refill on her coffee and starts to tell me about Robert. She starts off slow, her dark brown eyes peering through the window at the overcast sky as she searches her mind for the right words to say. She doesn't fully trust me yet, and it shows in her delivery and how careful she is when choosing her words. Robert, his full name Robert Blosser, is 55 years old and semi-retired. He used to own a business, Bouncer Outlet Association, which apparently is a company that works as an agent for bouncers. It was a bit confusing, but we didn't spend too much time in how the business works, and it was something that I could research later on. He's a carpenter now, Robert, but he doesn't make things wholesale, only custom jobs. If you ask, he'll make you a chair, a birdhouse, and go as large as a desk. Nothing too complex, although apparently he's been receiving some more complicated orders. A small dresser with a secret door, a desk with, well, in her words, bells, whistles, and the whole nine yards. Robert also never went to college. He didn't feel he would get the experience he needed, or as Orla put it, the experience needed to actually survive in the world.
1: He would always say that. Getting experience in the world instead of behind walls. I went to school and I turned out alright, so I like to think that there are many roads. I think he was also frightened of the stigma of not going to college after graduating high school.
0: Before starting his own company. Robert spent some time working in various construction jobs, mostly because he loved working with his hands. He was in and out of office work too, but that just didn't stick. He apparently made a decent amount of money working as a bouncer, which might be why he was able to consistently move from one day job to another. And I guess he was a good businessman since he moved into owning his own bouncer related business. So you mentioned this happened before Robert disappearing. I mean, what happened then?
1: Well, it was mostly a really big miscommunication. Robert was going away for a couple of weeks traveling overseas and was having so many issues with his new phone. I think he also got a new provider or there was something wrong with the card. I don't really remember. But when he was able to finally contact me, it was by email. It was so casual. He didn't think anything was wrong. I felt so silly worrying, so I didn't bring up how concerned I was.
0: But wow, I can't. I can't imagine what you were thinking. And I'm guessing that you already tried sending him an email.
1: Yes, but nothing. So I don't know what to think. Oh, oh, thank you, Gail.
0: Yeah, more tea would be great. So can you tell me anything you know about Robert and the company he used to own? Robert left his former company and left it to a second in command, Terence Millard, who was a friend he used to work with as a bouncer back when he was doing the bouncing and not managing. Clearly a person I should speak to. Orla's knowledge of how the company worked was limited, but it wasn't her fault. Robert didn't enjoy discussing that part of his past life. Orla told me a bit more about Robert, filling in the details. Where he lives, his likes, dislikes, he hates smooth jazz. He loves to hike, something Orla rarely did with him. She wasn't really a fan. After finishing her third cup of coffee, Orla reached for her green purse and red jacket. She took off her two silver rings, put them away, and pulled out some money.
1: I'm sorry, I do need to go. I need to be at work soon.
0: Yeah, 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 I'm sorry, of course, I understand.
1: I might be a bit busy over the next couple of days, but please let me know if you find anything out.
0: Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Um, okay, you know, busy. Is the owner of the building here, um, Mr... Stone? Yeah, yeah, Mr. Stone. I was wondering if I could speak with him. After Orlo left, I head over to the Stone Building, where Robert lives. It's an apartment complex and doesn't actually look to have a lot of stone, the only recognizable stone being the large steps leading up to the main entrance. The building's name comes from the owner, Franklin Stone. He's owned the building for years and has been improving it ever since it came into his possession. Inside, it looks to be a fairly modern building, with a bright wooden reception desk at the entrance that looks too big for a single person to work behind, but not quite large enough for two people to fit comfortably. The receptionist fills out the space, though. There are plenty of plants and other fixtures that make it cozy.
1: Actually, Mr. Stone won't be here until tomorrow.
0: Let me just call him to make sure.
1: So, he's in and out this week, but he should be here tomorrow. I can set up a meeting. Can you do around 1230?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thank you.
1: And your name again, sir?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. It's, uh, Edgar Vale. It was time for me to find out as much as I could about Robert's public life. It was pretty easy to find his carpentry website, complete with photos of the custom work he's done. It's an impressive collection of desk, boxes, cases, chairs, even cups and utensils. I never thought about having my name etched into a custom wooden mug until now. Robert's tall, maybe around six feet, judging by the photos of him standing next to a car with the few chairs that he made. His hair is, or was, black. You can still see his original hair color mixed in with gray. And I can't entirely tell, but his eyes look to be a light shade of brown. The website itself is fairly simple. It's a single page with a gallery of work and his contact information. I send an email hoping something would come of it. I also try the phone number, but...
1: The mailbox is full and cannot accept any messages at this time.
0: Goodbye. So much for that idea. Other than his carpentry website, there really wasn't much information about Robert out there publicly. I'd have to do some more groundwork if I wanted to gather more information. Mid-afternoon, I received an email from Orla, who I set up an alert for on my phone. I'm sorry that I couldn't stay for long. I hope that I gave you enough information to start. My conversation with Orlo this morning was awkward. Awkward in the sense that I could feel that she didn't fully trust me yet. And while she told me about Robert, it was clear that she was holding back. And it's been on my mind since her first email, but the biggest question that I had was how Orla got my contact information. This probably wasn't something that would help with the investigation, and I didn't want Orla to think that my focus wasn't on Robert. I also needed her to know she could trust me. She did come to me, and not the police. Pushing too hard could certainly make this difficult. I wasn't sure if getting additional information would be a distraction. This wasn't something I had to look into, and the last thing I needed to do was push her away by questioning her motives. It's a choice I didn't have to make at the moment, but the question remained. Do I follow up with Orla and push for how she contacted me, or do I play it safe? After a bit more searching, I found the website for Bouncer Outlet Association, or BOA for short. Their logo looked like what I'm guessing was a BOA constrictor wrapped around the letters B, O, and A. On the contact page, right above the phone number, there was a photo of Terrence, the person who now owns BOA. He was sitting behind a desk in the photo, but he looked like he could be the same height as Robert, or maybe a bit shorter. His hair wasn't as gray, but you can tell in a few years that it would start to turn. It was a fairly serious photo, which I guess is to be expected. The business wasn't really into providing joy, but rather a sense of security. Hi, um, can I speak to Terrence Millard?
1: I'm sorry, he's not available at the moment, can I take a
0: message? No, um, that's okay, but can you let me know when he'll be in? I'd like to stop by or arrange a meeting
1: actually left for the day, but he'll be back tomorrow, maybe around
0: 12.30. I can try to set up a meeting with him if you want. Oh, um, do you know if he'll be available at any other time, or, or maybe the next day? No, I'm sorry. He's not going to be in for the rest of the week after tomorrow. Mm, okay. 1230 is when I needed to head back to speak to Mr. Stone, the owner of the building where Robert lives, and I did not have time to do both. I had to make a decision here. Do I set up this meeting and hope to catch Mr. Stone later, or do I wait several days until Terence Millet returns? Thanks again for listening to the first episode of this experiment of mine. This is a very new experience for me, and I'm eternally grateful if you made it to the end. And if you didn't, thanks for trying. It's time to go to choicespodcast.com slash journal. That's choicespodcast.com slash journal and vote on the decisions that Edgar Vale needs to make. You can also find the URL in the show notes. The polls won't be open forever, so get over there as soon as you can. The options with the most votes will determine the course of the investigation, so choose carefully. Thanks again, and I'll see you on episode two. choices is brought to you by 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 no one i don't even know why i put this in here